Welcome to Pulse Practice Management, where we discuss everything from billing to practice management and all things in between. We're your hosts, Sunny and Natalie, and we're here to help you keep your eye on the pulse of your practice. Today, we're going to talk about addressing patient complaints and um, some different ways of handling that. But before we get started on that, Natalie, what day is it today? Well, today is National Frozen Yogurt Day. Yum. I love Froyo. I love ice cream. <laughs> You're really excited about ice cream. I am. I guess when I get really excited, my Southern comes way out. So. <laughs> I love ice cream. <laughs> Did you ever order your creamy? No. Okay. So I still need to order my Ninja creamy. So if anybody who's listening has a Ninja creamy and they love it or they hate it, let me know because I'm still on the fence. I really, really want one. I've wanted one for a long time. I keep looking at them, but I just have not pushed the button to order yet. So I, I just need some more opinions. I like for other people to try things out before I jump in and yeah. buy something big like that. So, but I love frozen yogurt. I love ice cream, even when it's cold outside. I don't think you have to limit ice cream and froyo to summertime. They don't deserve that. No, a lot of people think that a big old scoop of ice cream makes everything better. I mean, it does, doesn't it? I think it does. Yeah, it can. It can. Yeah, it can. Okay, but hold on. This says, but there is something that could be considered even better than that. Those who guessed Frogurt. Frogurt is a funny word. I've never heard Frogurt. I call it Froyo. Yeah, because I thought it was Froyo. Well, they say that it's Frogurt. Okay. Anyway, frozen yogurt has all the benefits and diversity of flavors that are bestowed upon its more famous predecessor, ice cream. But it's far healthier without sacrificing any of the yummy taste. Live active cultures and naturally occurring calcium make frozen yogurt a treat that is great for the taste buds as well as the body. Okay, so this is really fun. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's always healthier than ice cream. I wouldn't say that either. And I do think that it can be as good as ice cream Yeah, sometimes. If you put enough sugar in anything, it's good, right? It's good, right. Okay, so there's another day today, which is really crazy because it fits in with the topic of our conversation perfectly today, and we didn't even plan that. That's cool. Well, okay, I was going to say we picked this topic before we looked to see what today is. And today is, well, it's actually patient recognition week. So it's a good week to have. It is, but also it just fits so well with our episode today. How do I address patient complaints? This week, patient recognition week is an opportunity for healthcare providers to work even closer with their patients and learn new ways they can help them live fuller lives, which I love that. It was created in 1995 in order to bring attention to the importance of patients in the healthcare field. And it was created by John O'Malley. I don't know who he is, so maybe we'll just have to Google John O'Malley. But so we all, we know how healthcare is changing and how patients are encouraged to be more of an advocate for themselves and their family members. So before people just were expected to listen to their doctors, not question it, just believe that they knew what was best for them. And we're not saying that you shouldn't believe your doctor. 
we're just saying yeah. that this is, you should advocate for yourself and you or your family members, but have an active role in your healthcare and the decisions around your healthcare. So I think it's a great idea, a great patient recognition week. Um, but it's also a time to address concerns um, around your patient's healthcare experience. I think it would be a good idea. How cool would it be if you were working in a practice and this week you did special little things for each patient that you were seeing to recognize them? Yeah. Like um, a little, little giveaway or a little treat or something yeah. when they come into the office or I don't know, maybe a smile. Yeah. It's just a good time to um, remember and keep in mind that without the patients, you don't have a practice and just recognize that. Well, that's very profound. I mean, it is. <laughs> I mean, your practice is built. The foundation of your practice is your patient base, right? It is. Having this recognition week is a good way to just remember that. And that will go into what we're talking about today because having patients, you do get complaints. It's just part of the business, right? right. Um, you can't please everyone and you will have mistakes made and expectations not met. We're just going to talk about how to handle some of those patient complaints today. Okay. So the first one that we're going to talk about is completing paperwork in office versus online. So this is your patients that we're talking about um, complaining about the paperwork that they have to do. And they do complain. They do complain about that. And I have never complained myself, but I have thought it. You have all, all this information. Why do I have to do this again? I am with you on that because I have thought it. I've never complained myself, but I, because I understand right, why it needs to be done, but nothing's changed. So why can't I just look over it? Yeah. Nothing's changed. Um, so I did want to ask you a question about this when you, cause I know you put this one on the list. Well, you put all of them on the list because you're so much more organized than I am <laughs> and I appreciate it so much, but, um, completing paperwork in office versus online. Are you saying that patients complain about it, about completing the paperwork, having to do it online? rather than on paper in the office or having to do it on paper in the office rather than online or just both of it, all of it. I think that people are going to complain period. True. <laughs> I mean, gosh, but, we like to complain, right? I know. I, I am so guilty of doing that, but I think that the majority of complaints today are having to fill the paper out in the office on paper when you really should have this information available on your website so that the patients can fill it out then before they're seen in the comfort of their own home while they're on the couch watching television the night before, whatever. Um, it's more efficient for the patients. It's more efficient for the office. It's less expensive. You're not printing paper and scanning and doing all that. Just have it done electronically. And from just the little bit of research I did, that seems to be the complaint regarding the paperwork is they would rather do it online. 
And I would rather do mine online because I would too. I'm going to time my trek to the office for my appointments so that I get there 10 to 15 minutes before my appointment time, just because I like to be way on time. Yes. Same thing. Especially if there's something, cause I know things can go wrong or maybe they need me to fill out a paper in the office that I missed online, or maybe they don't have my right insurance card because the last time I was in there, they failed to scan it in, even though I gave it to them or just stuff, you know, but right. I like to be there a little bit early, but a lot of patients come right on time, right when their appointment time is. And then if they are expected to fill out paperwork, then that's going to take even more time and it's going to push the appointment back. And then it's just a trickle down effect, a domino effect, whatever. And one person's late, everybody else's appointment gets behind. That happens. Um, my doctor's office has started, if your appointment's at 1230, they have please arrive by 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, 30 minutes before. You know why I think they do that? Because people will be there at 1215. What? Okay. Yes. I mean, we tell my mother-in-law, if we're going to have dinner at seven, then she needs to be there at six. So (laughs) (laughs) she's still late, but (laughs) no, I get that. I get that. Yeah. I think they do that to allow extra time because people still aren't going to be there on time. But if you tell me, okay, but this is me. This is my different. We are right. If my appointment's at 1230 and you say, but be here at 12, I'm going to be there at 12. And then I'm going to be waiting 30 minutes Mm -hmm. before my appointment time. And then you're not going to take me back at 1230. I know you, you're not going to take me back at 1230. And so I'm going to be like this 1230. I've already been waiting 30 minutes and it's going to feel like an eternity. Plus it's taking time out of my day. I had to take time off work to come to this appointment. So this kind of goes into our next point about patient complaints. It's the long wait for appointments in office and to schedule. Yes. And it's happened to everyone. I'm sure that you have that. You show up for your appointment time at 1230 and it's 1:15. You're still sitting there. No one has communicated anything with you. Um, and you're just wondering, have they forgotten me? <laughs> Do they know I'm here? And then um, the patient gets upset. We used to try, when I worked in an office, we used to try to to check in with the patients and say, you know, he's just running a little bit behind, you know, you're next, we'll see you. But some of these bigger practices, that's easy to do in a little practice when everybody's mm-hmm. in the same room. But it's harder to manage in larger practice where the waiting room is separate from the front desk area where, you know. Yeah. And it's full. Right. My daughter had an appointment right after Christmas. She ended, she had her wisdom teeth taken out, but we had to go like the week before for her consultation. And we were there. We had already filled out the paperwork. They already had our insurance information. We got there 15 minutes before time. And Sunny, I think I was texting you. Because it was taking, so we were just there for consultation and it was 
we were waiting for at least 45 minutes before they took us back to the consultation room. And I had to go up to the front. To, and I don't like doing that. I do not. I waited as long as I could. But I was like, you know what? This is my lunch break that I'm taking. And I really need to get back to work. So I went up to the front desk and I was like, hey, you know, our appointment was at 1215. It is almost one o'clock or whatever time it was. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll check on whatever. So she came back and she said they had an issue with another. They had a problem case, I guess is what she said. And I was like, okay, I understand that. But some communication would have been great because I was like, dang, this is frustrating. It was frustrating for me and for my daughter because she was already anxious and then sitting there for a long time, even though it was just consultation, we, she wasn't having anything done that day. It, it still makes you anxious. So we finally got taken back and put in a room. And then we waited and waited and waited for the surgeon to come in there. I stepped out of the room at one point looking for somebody because I was like, gosh, we have been here over an hour at this point, over an hour. And the surgeon was just happening, happening. And the surgeon just happened to be coming my way and he was coming into the room and I, was, I felt bad, but he was really nice and very apologetic. Completely different experience from when we went the following week and she had her wisdom teeth taken out and we were there for like 30 minutes. So wouldn't just communication have made that so much better because offices are going to have emergencies. Yep. That's part of the business. You're yeah. going to have emergencies that that get put in front of your non-emergent mm -hmm. business. But just having that one person responsible for communicating to the patients, I know you've been here. I am so sorry you're waiting, but we do realize you're here and we do realize you're waiting and we will be with you as soon as possible. Makes a huge difference in the attitude. You still may have some patients that are upset. Mm-hmm. But. Yes. And, and I would have totally understood because I have worked in an office setting before and I would have understood that. Although I do think that they forgot about her. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, and that's terrible, but just from the vibe that I got and seeing the dental assistants or whoever nurses looking through some charts, I kind of feel like her chart didn't get put in the right place and she just got forgotten about. And that happens too. If like you're, that. you know, yeah. So communication would have been great. We all went to lunch one day and forgot there was a patient in the bathroom. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Locked up the office and everything. Oh my God. How did, okay. Story break. I don't remember. I'm who. <laughs> All the whole office was going to lunch together. And I don't remember someone said, did so-and-so check out? And then it was like, hmm. And someone went back in and they were in the bathroom. So, they had already been seen. They yes. had already been seen. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, they had already been seen. Wow. So another complaint is having to wait a long time to schedule an appointment. Oh, yeah. I um, contacted my eye doctor earlier this week. I've been waiting for them to call me back about an appointment 
for probably four weeks. So I gave up and called them and they can't get me in until April. Oh, and I am disappointed by that because I really need to be seen. Mm -hmm. There's not much you can do. Their schedule's Mm -hmm. full, but you still could have upset patients that you need to manage because of that. Do they have a wait list? They do have a wait list. I am on that wait list. And they said it could be as little as 15 minutes notice. And I said, that's fine. I'm right down the road. Let me know. Yeah. I had a similar situation when I made my appointment um, recently for my exam. And I went ahead and scheduled for like a month out. Maybe it was six weeks out. But then they called me like the next week and I got in that week. So it was really quick. It is a good idea to have a wait list. That's about the only way to mitigate that is to have a wait list and stay on top of that. Right. So offering that to the patient, go ahead and make their appointment for whatever the next available appointment time is, but put the patient on your wait list. Yeah. So it's a good idea to have a wait list for your patients, go ahead and schedule them for whenever you can get them on the schedule and reassure them that you will call them if you have something come open between now and their far out appointment time. The best thing you can do. Yep. Unless it's an emergency. Unless, and then you need to make room for them. Yes. The next on our list is something we deal with a lot. And that is the poor explanation of charges and the lack of transparency that office staff sometimes fail to give patients all of the information on what their charges are. I feel like that's a training issue. Yes, I agree. One thing that we deal with a lot working primarily in optometry is the refraction charge. Refraction is something that is not covered by Medicare and most commercial payers. It is a routine vision service and patients are routinely not told that they will owe for that. A lot of practices will file it and then deal with the aftermath of the patient receiving a bill. And that's just not good practice. No, you should definitely explain what the refraction is and why it's not usually covered. But if you're going to file it to insurance to cross your fingers and hope that they pay it, tell the patients that, but let them know that they may be getting a bill for it if it's not a service that is covered by their insurance. A great idea. It's also a good idea to have that financial responsibility form that spells out this particular service may not be covered by your insurance. If it isn't, you are responsible. And then you have the patient's signature. Mm-hmm. That should be in your online paperwork that your patients are doing before they come to your office. Yes, it should be. And in doing so, you have that, but you still will have patients that say, no one told me that I was going to owe for this. Nobody told me, which 
may or may not be true. So how do you handle that? What are some things that you can do? You can't just adjust off every charge that a patient complains about. No. Not right. It's just not feasible. Because oh, I, I have some charges I'd like to complain about. Me too. I want to get those adjusted off. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And I understand patients questioning. And and we have a lot of patients who will go to the eye doctor for their eye exam, but for whatever reason, the exam ends up being billed to medical insurance with a medical diagnosis code. Then maybe it applies to the patient's deductible or they have a different type of copay. And so we have a lot of calls about that. And a lot of patients say, well, I wasn't told that they didn't tell me that they were billing it to my medical insurance. Why are they building billing it to my medical insurance? I have vision insurance. So we know how to explain that if we have the documentation. Yes. <laughs> that, that documentation. Um, so this is another training opportunity, having your staff who answers the phones or things like this, when patients have questions about their bill, being able to look at their chart and explain, well, it was billed like this because of, I see here where Dr. So-and-so talked to you about that. So it needs to be documented. If Dr. So-and-so talks to the patient, Hey, you know, we're billing this to your medical insurance because we're doing these tests, which are not covered by your vision insurance that needs to be documented. So making sure your staff knows how to look at that, they understand that, making sure they understand that, then they'll be able to talk to the patient and hopefully explain it to the patient. Even better, if your staff is trained to address these issues before they ever happen. If the doctor did discuss it, that does need to be documented. When the patient is checking out, they should be told, your visit today went medical, is is going medical because you have diabetes and glaucoma. The doctor is following this and treating this. You were given a prescription for drops for your glaucoma. This is not a routine vision service. You have have a stick hanging out of your eyeball. So (laughs) we had to remove that and treat it. Right. This is not not routine. So that should be addressed at the time of checkout or while the patient is in the room before the service is done. The, The provider should say, we're talking about optometry, but for any specialty that right. any service that's provided that would not be covered by insurance as a possibility that should be addressed before the patient leaves the office because they are going to accept that decision better than, than when they receive a bill two months later, they've gone two months thinking they don't owe anything. And then they get this bill in the mail and no one explained anything and they're upset. And for deductibles also, so yes, it's deductible one. season. It is the beginning of the year. People have not met their deductibles yet. We actually have our newsletter that dropped yesterday. If you would like to get on that newsletter list, let us know because we have an article in there about this very thing. Um, looking at the patient's eligibility, seeing if they have a deductible, if they've met their deductible, 
it's a good idea to look at that and, and let them know, Hey, this will apply to your deductible. You haven't met it yet. So you'll be getting a bill or however you want to handle that, but letting them know. And I wanted to go back just a little bit because I have to say that office that I worked in our checkout lady who also handled a lot of the insurance filing, she was really, really good about telling the patients when they checked out, this is going to your medical insurance. So it is your $40 copay for whatever today. She was so good about doing that and collecting that, those copays up front. We didn't have a whole lot of complaints. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Cause she was mm-hmm. very good at it. And patients know they have a copay. Don't wait to bill them for that again, two months later, they know they have a copay ask for that. And we get, it's hard discussing money with patients It is very hard, but you have to do it. You do. You have to be transparent about the charges. You have to be transparent about which payer the bill is going to you. It's only being fair to the patient and to the office, to the practice. I have a little story. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) Years ago, my oldest daughter had to have physical therapy and it was kind of like, okay, let's try physical therapy before we have any other testing done. And, you know, like surgery was, we didn't want to go there. So what can we do, you know, to avoid this? We went for her first physical therapy appointment, checked in, gave the people our insurance information and, um, the check-in girl or whoever it was, was like, okay, you're, you're good to go. You can have a seat. And I'm like, well, you know, don't I have a copay? Nope. You don't have a copay. Are you sure? I think we have a copay. Nope. It's covered. It's covered. Um, it was not covered. We did in fact, so physical therapy is covered. So she was right about that, but we did have a $70 copay. Oh, I stuttered a little bit. We had a $70 copay for every visit. She was going like twice a week for several weeks. And we ended up getting a huge, big old fat bill. Mm -hmm. And every time I tried to pay a copay, are you sure? I feel like we have a copay. I feel like, no, it's covered. It's covered know the difference between is covered in full or you have a copay it's covered but you have a copay so that was another training thing I was so upset about that and you were prepared you were prepared to pay the copay take my money now because if you don't take it now you're not gonna get it yeah you will get it I'm just kidding But that is a perfect example of training, transparency, avoiding upsetting a patient. Yeah, it was pretty shocking to get that big old fat bill. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why? They said it was covered. But then I guess that kind of falls back on me as the patient. I could have looked a little bit further at my benefits and figured it out and been like, 
calling them. Actually, I owe you money. Please take this money. Take it. Take this money from me and take it every time I offer when I come because I don't want to have to pay like, oh my gosh, it was like $600. We got a bill for like $600. It might not have been $600, but it was a lot. And I was like, oh my God, I've been trying to pay them every time we go. Anyway, that's a little bit of rambling. It's a great, great story about that. Nobody likes surprises. No, not when it comes to money. Unless I mean, if you're, you're going surprising give me, me with yeah. money. If you're going to give I'll me take. the money, I mean, <laughs> I like those surprises. All right. Definitely like that. Next on our list is rude staff. Rude staff will cause a patient to not come back to your office. We have talked about this a little bit before. So if you have not listened to episodes one and two, now would be a good time to go back and listen to those episodes. And in episode two, we do talk about different personality types, which may help you with the rude staff situation. You should definitely go back and listen to those if you haven't, because we talk about different personality types and how um, to work with those. But if you have the situation that a patient has complained about a staff member being rude to them, how do you handle that? I think, first of all, you apologize and take care of the patient's issue that they were discussing with the rude staff member. You, you apologize and, um, Assure them that you will handle the situation and and find out what's going on and try to avoid any further damage. That's number one. Apologize and handle the situation with the patient mm-hmm. first. Make sure they're happy. Yes. Then the staff member. You have to handle that too. <laughs> you have do, to. Do um, do. I'm just kidding. Just, we can just stick our head in the sand and pretend it didn't happen. Oh, unfortunately that happens though. And then there, it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this before, addressing these situations immediately and not letting them snowball. So getting on top of a situation before it gets out of hand especially a rude staff member. And if it's just a one-time, if it, if it is just a one-off, they were upset with this patient, this patient was rude to them. You know, you will have patients that are really rude to your staff members. We get that. Oh my gosh. Can we get that? on the phone that are just unbelievably rude, but you can't be rude back. You can't. <laughs> You've got nice. to stop being rude back. <laughs> oh, it can be hard. It can be hard to not be rude back. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. But th- it's a great opportunity to, to provide some training for that staff member that, that lost their cool with the patient and let them know that you can't, you can't do that. Right. This is not what the practice stands for. And like you said, it could just be a one-off thing where 
the patient was unbelievably rude and, and your staff members are human. And of course they're probably going to get defensive if someone is really, really rude to them. And that is human nature. But if it's something that you're getting a complaint about over and over and over again, then take a step back, assess the situation, have a, um, have a, oh my gosh, have a meeting with that employee. And there may be some extra training that should be done. Yeah. Some extra training could, could solve that problem from happening again. Do some role play. How do you handle when a patient is verbally attacking you? You don't attack back. It could be a great opportunity for a PIP performance improvement plan for your employee or have regular trainings, you know, refreshers Mm -hmm. once a quarter on how to handle rude patients. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I don't want to talk about rude patients anymore. Oh, we were talking about rude staff, not rude patients. But we're talking about both because your patients can be rude to you, which in turn makes your staff rude to the patient. (laughs) Just everybody's rude. Stop being rude. Just just everybody be nice. Everybody be nice. Okay. Next on the list is the coding of a visit. So we touched on this a little bit with the refraction and non-covered services, how you handle patient complaints about that. That goes to the doctor. I agree. I agree. There is only so much that your staff is going to know or going to be comfortable talking about or be able to explain. So sometimes you're going to have to escalate that to the doctor. So take a message, be really nice about it. Take it. I understand your concerns, Mr. Smith. Let me send a message to the doctor and have them review your chart and we'll get back in touch with you. That's a great idea because you can't change the coding. You, if, if again, we'll go back to the glaucoma example, if the doctor is treating that and the patient calls to complain that it was supposed to go to their vision plan, you can't just say, hey, we'll do that because the doctor performed one service and that is the service that needs to be reported. But you can handle it, like you said. We understand Mm -hmm. someone will be in touch. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't promise that the doctor would be in touch because they're going to almost never um, have time for that. So... Um, yeah, not really a whole lot more we can say about that. The last one on our list is doctors not listening to patients' concerns or responding to requests. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. If you're working for an, a practice and there's only so much you can do if you're not the doctor, there's only so much you can do. So how do you handle those patient complaints? I will get this message to the doctor. I realize you've asked a couple of times and you haven't received a response, I am so sorry. I will make sure that Dr. Smith gets this information today and do my best to get back with you. What can you do? Yeah, there's not a whole lot more that you can do. Mm -mm. Like you've done what you can do. You've let the doctor know. You've passed on many messages. Yeah, that's a tough one. It really is. And, you know, this whole episode is about handling patient 
complaints. And that doesn't mean really solving the patient complaint problems, but just handling those. And that's about all you can do with that, except speak with the provider and say, you know, this patient's really upset because they just want an answer. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you're the practice manager or office manager, you might be able to have a conversation with the doctor. Just, you know, is there a reason why you haven't responded to this patient? Is there something else that I can help you with? Maybe the doctor just is feeling overwhelmed. The doctor could feel overwhelmed and it's the patient's not right there in front of them, like 15 other things. So they're pushing that request to the bottom of the list. And I get that you you can only do so much, but that's why you have staff and employees and you have a practice manager. So delegate that, you know, just let the practice manager know this is what you can do. This is probably one of the most difficult ones to handle. I think it would be. I think so. I have experienced this recently myself. Um, My dad, who I handle all of his medical I handle everything for, um, is having hip replacement surgery next week. And I have been messaging the doctor since September and cannot get a response. And it's very frustrating. Very. It's not his staff's fault. I get that. They are responding, saying they are sending him the messages, but he won't respond. And there's not much the staff can do other than try to make me happy. And since September, Mm -hmm. That is horrible. Four months. That's bad. Um, I feel like you should just pop in one day. I'm here. You'll answer my questions now, buddy. Like, I need five minutes of your time. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I'm not gosh. asking hard questions. Right. That's what makes it that much more frustrating. Mm-hmm. You're not asking hard questions. And this is your your dad's health and quality of life. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's really important. In my initial message, I mentioned quality of life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that, that is a concern that I feel really needs to be addressed and waiting September, October, November, December, January. And multiple requests. So if his staff were listening to this, what could they do? They're, they're doing all they can do and. Mm -hmm. At this point, it's on him. So we just discussed a few situations where you may have patient complaints, and they can be hard to handle some days, but they do need to be addressed. You can look at them as feedback for areas in your office that need to be improved upon. You may not be able to settle each complaint, such as the last one we discussed, but you should strive to make sure the patient is satisfied. If you feel you or your staff need some refreshers on how to handle patient complaints, reach out to Applied Medical Systems. We offer staff training for new and existing employees in many departments. You can reach us at coaching at ams-nc.com or appliedmedicalsystems.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pulse Practice Management. And if you would like to receive our monthly newsletter where we cover these topics and many more, email us and we'll add you to our list. We also throw in a fun poll question every month. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.